it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello there, welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks once again for joining us. This week we continue and conclude our discussion with Damo McMorrow. Damo, as you might remember, is the National Assistive Technology Manager with Vision Australia. Last week we discussed wearable technology and in particular technology that helps with audio description of your world and of course magnification and other things as well. This week we move on to other forms of technology. I'm keen to look at other aspects of wearables, and in particular watches. There have been a significant number of smartwatches come into the market in recent years, and I'm really keen to explore the benefits for blind and vision-impaired people of those. But before we do move on to watches, um, and I guess it's slightly relevant, there was a company that came out with a Braille smartwatch. Unfortunately, they seem to have ceased development of that. But they're doing other really interesting things. Tell us about uh, about the dot pad, etc. Sure. So... In the last few months, there's been a couple of products that have been announced. They're not um, sort of available um, and they haven't been sort of brought to market yet, but they're certainly uh, fairly close to it. One of those is the Dot Pad from Dot Inc. And this is a tactile display. So it's around about the size probably of an iPad, uh, roughly. And it has two tactile surfaces. It has a 20-cell Braille display. So that's a sort of traditional, uh, you know, eight, uh, 20 um, eight-dot cells. And then it also has a 10-line uh, tactile graphics surface. What that means in practice is that if you're using it and you've got it paired to your iPhone, for example... Um, you'll see if, if you're swiping around the screen and you swipe to the phone icon, you will see the word phone on the 20 cell braille display, but you'll also see a tactile representation of the phone icon on the tactile graphics surface, which is, you know, it, it's, it's quite interesting for someone who has no, had, had no idea of what the icons actually looked like for some of my apps. It was kind of interesting to see a representation of them, but the other thing that this device can do if you connect it to the dot canvas app you can do a couple of things you can draw on the screen and then print the whatever you've drawn to the display and I had a an opportunity to sort of play with this a few weeks ago um, some of you that know me or know of me know that I am a also a ham radio operator and I was um, in a presentation about uh, antenna design and um, had someone just sort of doing rough sketches on the screen of their phone of what the person, the presenter, was drawing on the whiteboard and uh, and then sending them to the display. So I could get a bit of an idea in real time of what the different antenna shapes looked like. Uh, so to have that information in real time was actually quite exciting. Um Obviously, there are limitations with this technology. It's not cheap. Um, and at this stage, one of the things that it, or one of the issues that it has is that if you happen to have your hands on the surface when it's uh, drawing a, a shape or a diagram, 
um, the areas that you're touching won't display properly. So you sort of have to take your hands off the display until it's finished rendering the uh, the picture. But the ability to sort of have that information um, there, you know, particularly in a sort of a classroom situation, if you were doing, you know, trigonometry or something like that or graphing, um, would be, would be um, I think, fairly helpful. Um, yes, you can do it in other ways using things like a PF or a tactile drawing kit, but... Um, to have that sort of immediate access is, um, is is definitely an interesting development. That technology is also being used in the Monarch device, which HumanWare have announced, and it's a um, about the size of a 15-inch laptop. Um, it has, I think it's a 10 by 30 cell matrix. Um, so again, it can uh, dis you know, display graphics, shapes, those sorts of things. But it also has um, a Perkins-style keyboard and a version of Keysoft on it. And uh, it will have the ability to read EBRF files, which is a new format that uh, is being developed uh, in collaboration with APH and the uh, DAISY consortium and so on. Um, so that potentially you know, could be quite exciting in terms of the production of textbooks and those sorts of things and making those uh, more readily available and being able to display elements that is are currently a little bit difficult to access on sort of a one-line display. So, yeah, interesting. It's an interesting space. The technology, as I said, is quite expensive at this stage. Um, so I don't know whether it's the sort of thing that individuals would necessarily have a strong use case for. Uh, but you know, I think it, it one of the, this sort of technology could be the tip of the iceberg, and it's only going to, you know, improve from here, and we'll potentially see other uh, tactile display type devices, um, you know, in the coming years. Realistically, how far away do you think we are from getting these into the hands of people and uh, enabling these for particularly education use? Um, difficult to say. I mean, I think Humanware have said that the Monarch they expect to be available sometime in 2024. Um, and I'm not quite sure sort of commercially what the status is on the, on the dot pad, but they're definitely, you know, I would say we'll start to see them, uh, in the next, you know, six to 12 months, probably. I mean, it's gone well beyond the sort of prototype stage. Um, you know, some of these devices were on display at at uh, CSUN, I've I've certainly had a hands-on um, you know experiment with the dot pad. So it's it's a you know they are real products. They're not sort of still in the uh, you know the pipe dream stage, if you like. I think what's most exciting about this is that they are recognizing the importance of not only Braille but tactile diagrams generally uh, in a way that uh, has been discussed over the last. 20 years or so, but uh, this is probably the biggest leap forward in real-time access to uh, to visual or, or pictorial information that we've had for a very long time. It is, and I think that that is the thing. It's the, it's that more real-time access. Yes, you can you know you can do all kinds of creative things to make tactile diagrams, but can you do it at the same time as the teachers you know drawing it on a board or that someone's putting something up as part of a presentation. And that's where this sort of technology is a bit of a game changer, I think, and definitely one, um, you know, for, for Braille users and people who have an interest in in sort of tactile diagrams and that type of thing to, to be watching closely over the next year or two. Just briefly before we finish, I'd like to talk about uh, smartwatches and the importance of smartwatches in the blind community. I, I think they have a real part to play, particularly for people who, who don't want to or don't have a smartphone. Um, do you want to talk firstly about the use cases for smartwatches and other wearables of that 
kind? Sure. So I'll be honest and say that uh, my personal experience with these devices is limited to the Apple Watch, um, predominantly because it's probably the, the most accessible of these devices. But you're right, they do offer some interesting features. Uh, I guess, firstly, things like the, the cellular versions of these watches will enable you to make phone calls from your watch. Um, so if you, uh, you know, if you don't have your phone with you, uh, or you're in a, an emergency situation, you know, the ability to, to do that can be quite helpful. Also, you know, to be able to um, get a, an idea of, for example, where you are, because they do have things like Siri, so you can uh, say to your watch, where am I? And it will give you a, a location. Some models have things like fall detection and uh, detection of things like irregular heart rate and those sorts of things. So it can be a way potentially of... Um, alerting someone if you've had a fall or um, alerting you if you, you know, if, if, if you've have, you know, issues with, um, you know, um, irregular heart rate and some of those sorts of things that may alert you before uh, something catastrophic happens. So, you know, you can do a lot with them. You can obviously send messages. Um, you can, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, into exercise and those sorts of things. You can use them for tracking your your uh, exercise. So I do a bit of tandem bike riding and I use my watch to track uh, how far I've traveled, uh, you know, what my heart rate was, those kinds of things. Um, so you can use them as sort of a, a fitness tracker type thing as well. So yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do. The other one that um, is quite interesting, I guess for me as a, uh, a dog guide handler, is that I do use an app called Just Press Record, and you can have different what they call complications on the on the screen of the watch, which are essentially shortcuts to apps. And I have had scenarios where I've had a dog refusal, and I've actually been able to just quickly tap on my watch and um, record that conversation in case I've needed it as evidence. Um, so you know there are things like that, but you could e equally use an app like that for just quickly recording a phone number that someone gives you, those sorts of things. So it can replace. A number of other devices that you might have previously carried around for, you know, making notes and uh, and those sorts of things. And I think the uh, the important thing for for some people is that uh, you don't actually have to own a smartphone in order to have one. Although you do have to have access to a smartphone in order to be able to set it up. Uh, so a family member or friend or uh, you know support worker or something like that might be able to help with that. But it can be quite a cheap way of of being able to know that you have a way to communicate with people uh, and that you have access to those uh, you know potentially vital uh, medical information. That's right. I think probably the only thing, and I'm not quite sure how this operates, if you don't have a smartphone associated with it, I'm not quite sure how that works with the cellular devices in terms of your, because yeah, normally it would be an add-on to your phone plan. So I don't know whether the cellular carriers offer you sort of a, a standalone watch plan if you don't you know, have a, um, a, a mobile plan with them as well. Um, so that would potentially be the only caveat on using it as a standalone device without a without a smartphone. Mm. Damo, it's been great to catch up on uh, what's happening in technology and uh, do let us know and keep in touch if uh, there are any significant changes that we need to hear about. Yes, yeah, certainly will. And thank you again for the opportunity to uh, come on the program.
And that was Damo McMurrow, National Assistive Technology Manager with Vision Australia. If you're interested in all things technology, you might want to have a look at the Talking Tech podcast from Vision Australia Radio. It's presented by Stephen Jolly and David Woodbridge. It's uh, produced every week for the RPH Network and it is available, as I said, in a podcast. So just use your podcast app or device of choice and look for Talking Tech or you might look for Vision Australia Radio if you're interested in other podcasts from Vision Australia Radio. There are other technology podcasts, of course, as well, but that is one that is particular to Australia, so uh, it's certainly worth a listen. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, you can call 1-800-033-660, 1-800-033-660. Or you could email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. If you're a member of Blind Citizens Australia, a reminder that the member update comes out each week, so if you're not receiving it, check your junk mail or contact Blind Citizens Australia for more information. As well, there is the calendar of events and uh, things that are coming up in the world of BCA, so have a look there on the website. There's plenty of information about blindness and vision impairment in the work of Blind Citizens Australia generally. We will be talking to staff and board members of Blind Citizens Australia over the next few months on New Horizons. As well, we'll be talking more with people who attended the Roundtable on Information Access for people with a print disability. And my thanks to John Simpson for his work in uh, establishing future programs for us. If you've got any ideas for New Horizons, anything that you know of that's coming up that we might not know about, or any particular issues that you think are important to have public discourse on, get in touch with me, new.horizons at bca.org.au, new.horizons at bca.org.au. Always happy to hear from you, whether it's, as I said, a story idea or just general feedback about the program. In the meantime, I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realization of a dream. Of a dream.